Good morning. It's a great blessing for me to come and minister the good news to you. You're going to hear the gospel of God's grace again. Uh, Today we are going to talk about being set free from the positive confession condemnation message. So many times we think that we can only by faith and positive confession have God's will done in our lives. And then we take this towards our finances, our health, uh, business, children, and all those kind of things, and we just confess positively. We just believe and confess, and so we have. And we find many ministries built on that concept, and that has led to the feeling of guilt and disqualification for many people. People don't even know how to talk when they are ill. A person would have cancer, for instance, and then they would never say they've got cancer. Um, People would not have money, but they would never say they don't have money. Uh, It's almost as if they lie in the name of Jesus, um, and they cannot speak what is really going on in their lives in the hope of confessing the right way, or basically in respect of God, confessing positively, thinking that through that faith and confession principle, they're going to have whatever they say. Now, I want to say this as an introduction, that your life is secure in the hands of God. We can know that we have a loving Father that cares for us, We also can know that we believe and speak. The Bible does say that. It says, because we believe or we believe, therefore have we spoken. The Bible does say things like, we we don't look at what is seen, but what is unseen. And, uh, you know, we confess that. The Bible does talk about that. But we're going to look at it in its context. What does it truly mean. We can look at it. 2 Corinthians 3, the last verses there. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 5. We're also going to have a powerful uh, insight in Psalm 116.10, where it talks about negative confession with faith in the heart. Can you have negative confession with faith in in the heart. What does that mean? Uh, what is the whole concept about what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth and so forth? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Let us pray together as we start the service. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for your kindness and thank you that you empower me to preach this message powerfully today and that it will encourage people greatly. Amen and amen. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're just going to read verse, Yeah, I think we, we start off with verse 17 here, uh, and then we go into verse 4, and we just take it as it comes. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the his image the very increasing oh, sorry uh, the ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit so what he's basically saying here is that uh, when christ is preached we we unveil the glory of god in the face of the man, Jesus Christ. 
And as we behold, and this is very important to understand, very, very important to understand. As we behold the glorified Jesus raised from the dead, ascended on high, inherited the kingdom as a human, in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. If we behold who he is from the perspective that who he is is what we expect to manifest in us through his lordship, meaning we believe or we have the hope that we shall end up in the very same condition as what he is because of him. When we have that, we find that we are changed into the very same image. We are now all of a sudden becoming people who are carrying the very doing of God inside us right now. While right now we are still not yet seeing all of the fullness manifest. Now I just want to bring a message to you today that is real. That is real and when I talk about real, it is a message that stands firmly planted in the fullness of the Godhead bodily as well as in the context of us as mortal beings today that do go through some unexplainable difficult times. Sometimes there's things that happen that we just cannot explain. Some difficult things we can explain. Some things we just cannot explain. We don't know why it is the case. And I want to just say this, if you're watching this message, last week I've had somebody contact me and um, from South Africa, somebody in our web church, and they said to me that they grew up, um, let's say wealthy, and uh, they had everything, basically their heart desire all their life, and he said that I think he's now 35 years old, and his brother's son got very ill and this was the first time in his life that he was going through difficult times and he says that he would have compassion with other people but only from the perspective of thinking about their difficult time but he could never really relate because he's never suffered in all his life in any form or fashion now you might be going through very good times and you might think but Bertie you're ministering a lot about going through difficult times. But that's what I feel to minister about right now. Because there are people that are going through very, very difficult times. There are people going through difficult times as pertaining to health. There are people going through difficult times as pertaining to their businesses. There are people going through very difficult times when it comes through fear and politics. A lot of people live in fear. A lot of people live in absolute fear when it comes to, to, uh, to politics. And they don't know what the future is going to be like. And a message that is relevant is needed. A message that can meet the people where they are is needed. And that is what I'm going to bring to you. And it's going to be the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope of eternal life that we can have while we live in this world where things don't always seem to be what it's supposed to be. But it is what it is. Okay, so Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 here talks about Paul 
saying and is, is basically saying that we are preaching a gospel of the physical resurrected Jesus and the gospel was the message that we will also be bodily raised from the dead and have exactly what Jesus has right now. And then it was preached as our inheritance. It was preached as our inheritance. The message was, Jesus set you free from sin. Then the message was, yes, you're free from sin, but what he'll bring you unto the fullness of the Godhead bodily is up to Christ by his rulership to bring it forth in you. And that is what we look at. Then he goes to verse 4. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So he says we're not losing heart because what we what our ministry is about is to preach the fullness of the Godhead bodily and what Jesus has attained by the power of the resurrection is your hope and that is what you shall have. And the moment you preach hope, you're not losing heart because you're not preaching a right now, you're preaching a hope. Now, that might be very complicated to understand, uh, but um, I've preached messages on hope, and I would advise you to go and listen to those messages where I did preach on hope uh, and the power of hope. Just go, You can go to my website, uh, dynamicministries.com, and if you scroll down, you'll see there's a search bar. In the search bar, you just put the word hope, and all the messages that I've preached on hope in the last about 10 years will be there and look at some of the recent ones and you will see where I've ministered on the power of hope and what hope is and how it affects our lives today but I don't have time to explain all of that right now so he says basically since the message we've preached we're preaching is a message of hope we're not losing heart when you will lose heart is when you preach that it was supposed to have been and it is not then you're going to lose heart. So he says here, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, what is the ministry? The ministry of looking at the glorified Jesus Christ bodily and get people to look at that. And as they look at that, the glorified Christ starts to bring forth fruit in them, which will eventually end up in the full manifestation. So while we're seeing the partial manifestation we're not losing heart we feel okay and when we see the partial manifestation meaning we still see a gray beard we i've shaved my beard somebody said i look much younger and when i was in my motor some motorbike suit that i uploaded on uh, on facebook elian and i went riding motorbike a bit we haven't ridden our bike for about a year and a half and uh, so we went a bit and it was so nice uh, so um, we talk about the gray hair, talking about aging, talking about forgetting things, talking about just normal things in this life that takes place. In the midst of all of those things, we don't lose heart because we know that there is still a fullness that awaits us. And while we are in this mortal body and we confess the things of mortality like, man, I'm becoming older or and I don't feel good today or any of those kind of things, we don't, we're not going to feel guilty feeling we're not living by faith. And we're going to look at Scripture where Paul did it. Amen.
Okay, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, which I've just explained, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. He's talking about the law and, 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 and a lot of those things, as well as I think he's including some of the Gentile ways of doing things here. We do not use deception. So what he's basically saying is if you still preach the law, you're using deception. Nor, nor do we distort the word of God. On contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So what he's basically saying here, that word conscience there, talks about a unification or to think the same as. So what he's saying is, listen, what we're committing ourselves to is to have People have their conscience, you know, um, basically line up with what God thinks. The word conscious there simply means to think together with, to go and study that out, to, and to have it for yourself. So what he's saying is, is we're committing ourselves that every person should have for himself, in himself, this knowledge of his union with God in Christ. Now, with that in mind, we now go into verse uh, 6. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, or God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So what is he saying here? Let's read it again and let's concentrate on what he says here. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. So let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine out of our hearts. In other words, out of the heart shines this light. The light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure this glory of God in the face of Jesus. This is basically saying we have this message of physical resurrection and glorification, bodily perfection, perfection for the human in every form or fashion, righteous, holy, above reproach in his sight. We've got that message. We've got, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So what he's saying is we've got a message of the all-surpassing power of God, but we're not containing that in how good we are by our own works and how good a preacher we are or any of those things. We have it in, in ministries that seems to be very weak, to seem to be very insignificant. The context here, with Paul, um, and we're going to make it now come to every person's life, not just ministry. But the context here is Paul and his small ministry. Paul and his insignificant ministry compared to other ministries. Paul came to uh, Corinth, he planted a church, he started a church, 
and there was some good that took place there. Remember, they just had churches in houses. Then after he left, some other apostles came, and they were the big shots. They were the full-time in ministry and all those people. And some of them mixed in the gospel with the law and so forth. But they were very uh, eloquent in their speech and high up. And uh, it could have been people that has known Jesus personally and so forth. To the point that they didn't even want to allow Paul back into his own ministry. And Paul was a person that didn't really uh, look that good, I think. If you've been stoned a few times, or if you've been just if you've been stoned, and I mean, if you, we know the stoning process, they throw stones at your head, man. Uh, and sorry for being a bit graphic here, but I'm sure Paul had his skull dented in a bit. I'm sure he had marks over his face. He looked like a person that has been badly beaten several times. He was beaten with whips. He was beaten with sticks. He was beaten with a fist. He was kicked in the face. He was a man that was known to be in jail and a troublemaker uh, everywhere. He, he was he 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 wasn't that good looking. He would have been some something like David Livingston. And when David Livingston went back home or saw his wife again, he would be kind of unrecognizable because of what he went through and the sufferings he's been through. So here we find somebody like that, the Apostle Paul, not even full time in ministry, working with his hands, not having enough money, uh, uh, you know, where people support him. Being frowned upon, thinking that God is not really blessing this, these people. So what he has is, he has got this word of perfection, this word of your acceptance, this word where he wants you to, wants people to think and have their thoughts line up with the perfection of God, having the hope of the resurrection. He's got that ministry in a very earthen vessel. That earthen vessel was obviously talking about his body and the earth, earthiness of his body the temporalness of the the physical body in the condition of mortality as well as the uh, insignificant if you want to call it like that measured by other standards ministry that he had um, and we can read it now from here the fact that Paul's ministry is well known now doesn't mean he had the biggest, most powerful ministries in his time. It says here in verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. So um, it would be, if I think of myself and my ministry in Zambia and what I've done there years ago, I remember when people would say to the people that I worked with there, because there would be different ministries going there, and I was one of the first people that went to that area. Well, before me, there was uh, uh, people of the Roman Catholic years and years ago that already had a mission there, and then there were Seventh-day Adventists that had mission there, and then I was um, some of the very first people that came with a, 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 a Pentecostal charismatic kind of a teaching there. And when people would look at me, the people that I worked with, they would go to them and say, yes, and well, let me put it this way, after I've worked there, then we find different missionaries coming there from different churches, planting their churches and so forth. And then they would say about me 
to the people that I work with, your missionary is poor. Your missionary is poor because the other people will come with their fancy vehicles and big teams and all those kind of things and give a lot of money and build buildings and do all those kind of things and they would they would have all the big projects and all those kind of things and they would say, your missionary is poor. And it was like, I've had this treasure, but in an earthen vessel. It was not in this vessel where they could say that which was done here in Kalabu was done by the, um, by the power of that ministry. They can just say what was done here was done by God, only God. So this is basically what Paul has said here. And let us read it. He says, but we have this treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Now, is that a positive confession? No, no, we're hard-pressed. We, we are hard-pressed. And he says, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. And we're going to see why he says and what this thing is where he says we are not crushed, we are not in despair. It's because he knows even if he dies, he will be raised from the dead. That's what it means. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Some would say, why would you always carry in your body the death of Jesus? He talks about being beaten and all those kind of things. Why do you confess those things? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now talking about the resurrection of Christ. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Christ's sake. He's talking about, he says, we are alive, we are always being given over to death. We are always being given over for persecution. Why would Paul say, he would say, Paul, why are you confessing that? But that's what he confessed. Why? Because it was like that. So then death is at work in us, but life is in you. It is written, I believed Therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Now, this in the Greek here is making reference, it's a cross-reference from Psalm 116 and uh, verse 10. Now, I'm going to read from the Afrikaans direct translation, then I'll directly translate into English, and I think we can also quickly go to the NIV there. It says here, Ek het gegloe, selfs toe ek gesê het, ek is plat geslaan. It says, I have believed, even when I confessed that I'm defeated. That is what it says. So Paul says, as it's written, I have believed even when I confessed that I'm defeated. Let's see what the NIV says there. Psalms. Um, 116. See if maybe the NIV has got it the same. 116. And... Uh, we're looking at verse 10. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. Okay, I trusted in the Lord when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. So now Paul says here, 
that I believe therefore I've spoken since we have the same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So he says, because we believe we shall be raised, we are not afraid to speak of our weaknesses because we believe we shall be raised. And because we know we shall be raised and perfection shall happen to us and that it is the hope that is given to us, we are not ashamed to speak what is truly going on around us. We're not coming here in deceit and confessing things that is not. We're not trying to paint a picture to be a whitewashed wall. We say what we're going through, but we now have the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is we know we shall be bodily raised. Therefore, we are not ashamed to confess confess when we are defeated. But when we are defeated, we are not crushed because we know we shall be raised in the last day. So what this does is it makes Paul not become a freak. And sometimes, you know, you confess these things. I just looked, that. sorry that I mentioned this, but this is what comes to my mind right now. Um, most of the people that watch this is the international, internationally, my ministry in the morning is more towards Africa and South Africans, some Europeans. But now we find mostly the, the message that will watch this is, is um, the people in America, Canada, and, and, and also s- some people in Europe. But if we look at positive confession. And we look at what happened in the presidential election, even even now, amazingly, even now, people confess things that are not true. And they think through the positive confession politically about presidencies and all those kind of things, getting involved in all these theories, they think that that is how they're going to have the breakthrough and they're great people of faith. No. <laughs> Listen then, Paul says here, because I know I shall be raised and it is a hope in the future, therefore I don't have to use deceit right now and I can come and live a normal life and say that this treasure, this message of eternal life that is inside my heart is in an earthen vessel and I don't have to come like some of these other preachers and be fake. I can be real. I can confess what is going on in my life. And the true spirit of faith, which he refers to here, was to look at the resurrected Jesus And to confess that yes, now I might be defeated now. I might see difficult times now. I might see illness in my body now. I might see difficult times somewhere they've closed down my business. I might say I'm very afraid. I might say that. But even when I say that, I still believe that I shall be a partaker of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the context of the passage. That's the context of the passage. The word of faith message where people took the, 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 um, the scripture in Mark 11, 20 to 24 out of context where it says you shall have, if you say to this mountain whatsoever you believe you shall have, 
if you, you know, you, whatever you confess, you're going to have. We've made it a message where you, whatever you can imagine, God can give you today. That's what, how we've interpreted that. Whatever you can imagine, God can give you today. If you can imagine, God can give you today, and then believe that it shall be, and then confess it, then you're going to have it. That's how we've used that scripture. Completely out of context. The context is, even if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say shall come to pass, you shall have what you say. Now, in order for you to believe that what you say shall come to pass, you will have to have proof that it shall be that way. And the context of that whole prayer there is the Lord's Prayer, wherein he talks about the coming of the kingdom of God, which is the return of Christ, which is the resurrection. So that means if I can have a word from God that says, I shall be raised from the dead, and I shall say to death even itself and the law system, that mountain where the temple was on, because they were just outside of Jerusalem, be moved and be placed into the sea and you believe it shall take place. Now you can only believe that it shall take place if it shall take place. Context is the coming of the kingdom of God where the dead shall be raised, where the law system shall not be operative anymore. That's the context. Only when you believe that. That is not towards cars and, uh, and money and, and, and prosperity gospel and all of those kind of things. And I, I prosper. I'm not, I'm not against heavy. I'm grateful for every person that gives towards the ministry. And thank, I'm thankful that I am in a condition where I can give abundantly. So glory to God for that. But the scripture in its context is what we need to know. And we feel so many times that we basically look at our country and we look at our situation. Then we get into a system where we forget about the resurrection of Jesus. The gospel of the resurrection is not even part of our mindset. The fact that we will be bodily raised is not even part of our mindset. The fact that we can confess when there are difficult times and say we are going through difficult times and we might still go through difficult times for another year. That's not a negative confession. If I say we might go through, uh, you know, we, our electricity in South Africa, our grid is overloaded, so the load that there is, that they put on it, they need to shed some of that, and then they just switch cities off, and you for four hours a day, four to five hours a day, will not have electricity. Major cities will not have electricity. And that goes on like that for a while. And now, even in the news, they've said it might be that we, this can even go on for five years. So what must I as a Christian now say? No, I confess we're going to have electricity. If... No, I'm saying it this way. For the next five years, we might not have electricity. And that is the reality. I thank God that he's my source and that he provides for me. But for the next five years, we might not have electricity. And me as a Christian in Malmesbury, do you know when they switch electricity off, I also don't have electricity? It's not as if God supernaturally just kept my electricity on. Mine's also off. So that means that the drunkard down the road that cheats on his wife 
in the street block away from me or whatever, his electricity and mine is equally off. So am I now going to try and confess positive so that I'm going to have electricity? The only way I'm going to have electricity is if I buy a generator. I need to buy a generator, which I did. And I use it. So I do have electricity when I run the generator. But then I found that the internet, when the electricity goes off, was also off. So yes, I've got electricity, but the internet, the towers are off. They don't have electricity. They stole the batteries or something. So what happens? The man dripping with the anointing, ready to preach a message, also don't get the thing out. So what must I now do? Should I say, well, no, no, I'm going to have it. No, I, I just say, listen, man, we have this treasure still in an earthen vessel. We thank God that we have a father that knows what we have need of, that will provide for us, and we rest in that. We are not going to try by our confession every day, making an effort to try and confess positive. And even if people ask you a question, why are you limping? No, I'm not limping. Why? So, so what are you busy doing? No, 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 I'm healed. I'm, I'm the healed, blessed God. <laughs> you sound foolish, man. That's it. You sound foolish. Rather say, the way it is, say, man, I've broken my hip and I don't know why it is taking a long time to recover, but I trust in the Lord that it will recover. Rather say that. Here the scripture says clearly, and let us go to that passage. Listen to what it says. I believed, therefore I've spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So he says, we believe what? That we shall have the resurrection of Jesus. Therefore we speak what? About the resurrection and boldly about our weaknesses. So that the power... So what Paul was basically saying, if we interpret correctly, in today's terms, Paul is not afraid to confess all the negative things that he was going through and the bad things that was in his life. Because he's got a spirit of faith which says, I believe that it shall be perfected in the day of the Lord and what is his belongs to me. And I look at not what is seen because in my life I don't see anything that I am supposed to see um well it's, it's hard to say anything but in the context here is anything as pertaining to bodily immortality i'm not seeing that and i'm not making my boast in what i've attained i rather make my boast in my weaknesses because i've got the spirit of faith which says that i can say the negative or i can i wouldn't say the word negative i can say uh, what's wrong without being afraid for i believe while I say these things, I believe that the Lord will raise me up. So I want to say to you, man, when you say, I don't know, I, I, you know, you might say, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, you might say, I don't think that this government is going to sort these things out. That's not a negative confession. That is just what you think. But when you say that, does that defeat you? Or do you have the hope of the resurrection? You do have the hope of the resurrection. man. So don't let people condemn you and don't let that message condemn you. Bring guilt to you and condemn you. 
Listen to verse 13 again here. You see the context. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is to your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. We fix, verse 18, our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is he talking about? The context is not Food, the context is not a car, the context is not a house, the context is not healing. The context of this is we boldly mention our weaknesses. We're not scared of that because we are not trying to be hypocrites, trying to pretend to be something we are not. Because our we have faith, we believe that we shall partake in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what he says. Here he says, we shall be raised. That's the context. Perfect context. Let's read on. So when he says, we live by faith and not by sight, he was referring to, we are not seeing the glorified Jesus Christ right now and our bodies glorified now, but we see the resurrected Jesus, which is not seen. We Behold him, and that is where our hope is. So we don't make our boast in all the victories we have right now. Let us go back. Psalm 116.10 Ek het gegloe. Selfs toe ek gesê het, ek is plat geslaan. I've believed. I'm going to give direct translation. I, I believed. I continue to believe. That's the direct. I continue to believe. Cells, when I said, I'm completely flattened. I've been beaten to the floor. So even when I say, I'm beaten to the floor, doesn't mean I have not believed. And Paul says, because we've got that spirit of faith, because we believe we shall be raised, we're not afraid to confess our weaknesses today. Because we know what shall be. And we're not living as hypocrites in this earth. Because salvation is not by you trying to confess everything right. You might say, but Batty, the scripture says that we believe in our heart and with a conf- confess with our mouth. The Bible says if you believe, uh, if you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and you confess that he's Lord. So the confession is that he is Lord. That's the confession. The confession is not to try and create a method by which you create a system whereby you create things and then you are the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. And then there's also some kind of a pride that sometimes stands up in people that, you know, all you guys are negative, but I want to tell you I am the positive. I confess glory to God. Let's get rid of pride. Let's get rid of it. And this is what Paul says. Let us read it here in verse 4. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. 
Because he was talking, if you read all of Second Corinthians, that there were people that came with secret and shameful ways. They made themselves to be these super apostles dripping with the anointing, which they weren't. They would never say anything that is difficult in their lives. They tried to make themselves the prosperous, the wealthy, the blessed, that kind of a thing. That's what they did. He says, but he has, he has he's, he's done away with those shameful things. He says what is. He says, listen man, let me tell you truthfully about myself. Sometimes I don't feel too good. But that doesn't mean I don't believe. And then you always find God somehow gives a breakthrough. If you want to call it a breakthrough or helps and provides and cares for Paul. Same in my life. I've, I've had, if, 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 man, if I must one day sit with you and tell you my whole story. You will say, God, can this be? But I also, if I look at my whole story, I look at the faithfulness of the Lord, the faithfulness of his provision in my life, the faithfulness of his love in my life, the faithfulness of all these things. You want to ask me, Bertie, what have you attained unto? I would rather talk about the difficult things that I've experienced than try and boast in what I've attained. So that whatsoever happens in your life will not be because of Bertie's great ministry, but will be because of God in your life and not my ability and how I am good. But by God working in you. Glory to God. Amen. Second Corinthians 5. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as what we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. So what is he saying here? He says, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as what we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So what was his confession? Paul was confessing that as long as what I have a mortal body, I am still not seeing the fullness of, of what God has promised in Christ, but I believe it shall take place. And when he said that, he was basically saying, therefore, whatever shortcoming I'm seeing is not going to throw me off the rails. <laughs> well, this message is co completely contrary or opposite to what we have been taught by this confession thing. We are confident, I say, and would rather prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make our goal to please Him, whether we are at home or in the body, at home in the body or away from it. So what are you saying is, listen, man, my whole life is just, I want to be pleasing to the Lord, which is what? Which is to believe, contextually, that I shall be part of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and have his life in me that flows from that hope. Th th that is it. And then I'm not going to live shamefully, meaning I'm not going to try and pretend anything. I'm just going to say it as it is. And I confess when I have weaknesses, all things don't always go right. And I'm not afraid to say it. Sometimes I'm persecuted. Sometimes, you know, relationships 
don't go well. Sometimes relationships, relationships do go well. Sometimes things are difficult. And we can confess these things because I'm not having a dishonest way and you're not supposed to have a dishonest way in having this such a positive confession that you don't know, you don't even know how to talk. You don't even know how to talk. You can't speak. I remember when speaking to people, I say, man, yeah, I know, you know what? This next flight, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't, no, confess positive, confess, be positive, confess positive. Well, listen, man, let me tell you something. I, in my heart, I feel we're not going to make it. Just be positive. Well, the fact that I'm saying I don't think we're going to make the flight doesn't mean I don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and that I have eternal life. So I'm not in doubt and unbelief when I think we're not going to make a flight. I'm just critical and thinking that there's too much traffic, we left too late, and we're just not going to make it. And I'm just wording that. And then if we make the flight, well, glory to God. If we don't make it, well, then we get the next one or we cancel the meeting. And that's just the way it is. But we're not going to have dishonest and shameful ways giving a facade of something we are not. Because the true context here is, even when I confessed that I've been completely flattened, I believed and God blessed me. So that confession, when I say I was flattened and I believed, doesn't mean I did not believe. Now you might say, but Barry, what the heart is full of, the mouth flows out of, or flows out of the mouth. I do believe that that is true, and that's why I'm saying what I'm saying right now. And I also believe that if your heart is saying we're not going to make the flight, why will you now have a dishonest and shameful way by not saying or being afraid? I'm not saying you know. Uh, almost say blaspheme it all over Facebook <laughs> you know put it all over social media whenever you doubt about something but I mean if you're in your car driving with your with a friend or with your wife there and you say well I think we're going to miss the flight or you feel a massive pain in your stomach and you don't know what it is and you say I love you I hope I don't have cancer man if that is what if that is a fear in your heart, it's much better to say to your wife or your friend, you know what, I hope I don't have cancer, can you just pray with me? To feel that you've now confessed the cancer of your life. We shouldn't lose our minds. Be so scared. Sometimes the most fearful people is the church, man. Especially when it comes to politics. Very, very scared. So scared. As if God doesn't exist. When it comes to confession, well, you must just we must just not confess wrong because you just say something wrong, boom, you know, all's gone. Now that is not what God has for us. That is not what God has for us. So, Bertie, what about our future? Let me end off with this. See how long have I preached? My goodness, fifty minutes, uh, forty-seven minutes. Let let me end off. Acts one. So what can you expect for your future? What positive thing do you think about the future? Well, this is what I can say. It's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set in his own authority. What that means is it's not even for you to know when the next president comes. That's what it means. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So what, what will I know about the future? 
the Holy Spirit will come upon me and I will have power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what I know is that my life will be a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit in the ages to come. That is what I do know. And I know that I will be part of the resurrection and be presented before God with you, holy, above blame, perfect. Glory to God. So what can we expect for our future? Practically, we have an Abba Father that loves us. We have a Father that cares for us. And we know that His Spirit is over us. And we can know that our life shall be a testimony of the goodness of God. That goodness of God can show in so many ways. So I want to tell you, you will be a witness to the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That is what I have for you. Thank you so much. I trust this message has blessed you. I didn't get in depth into Mark there. I could also have gone to Psalm, uh, Psalm 139 there a little bit. But I think this will give you a good idea on what I wanted to bring here. Know that God loves you. He cares for you and will always, always, always bring this hope to your heart. Amen.